So check this out. Bright Hire just launched this amazing AI sidekick called Bright Hire Plan. It's like having your very own AI assistant that can build full interview plans in just minutes. Imagine going from a job title to a thoughtfully crafted, inclusive job description and a full structured interview plan in minutes. No, not hours anymore. It's a game changer for recruiters and hiring managers. I know I'm usually the one to hate on new tech, but honestly, this sounds incredible. This is AI used right for better quality and more efficiency. It's like the holy grail of recruiting. Dozens of companies from high growth startups to multi-billion dollar enterprises are already using Bright Hire Plan to save tons of money, time, and raise the quality of their hiring. And here's the best part. You can give Bright Hire Plan a spin for free. That's right, for free for 30 days. Just head over to brighthire.com to get started. That's brighthire.com to get started. Cheeseman out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the feral kid to my Mad Max, Chad yes. Sowash, is in the house. And today, holy shit, it's a reunion show. You know him. You love him. You remember him. Let's welcome Max Armbruster to the show. Thank you. Thank you. CEO, founder, talk push, uh, all the way from, uh, from from Hong Kong now. You're in Ireland. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that real quick. What was the, the big move? What happened? It's a, it's a personal move. We're, we're a company which is not um, anchored to any specific location. We're kind of nationless. And, uh, and so Ireland is good because we, we cover a lot of customers in Latin America and Asia. So I have more normal hours now. And <laughs> Hong Kong was becoming very restrictive for certain mm-hmm. citizens. It was hard to travel. Um, you couldn't download TikTok <laughs> and <laughs> other things like that. So it was time to go. The real question is, have you embraced Irish whiskey? And if so, which is your favorite? I I go by Scotch and uh, from Scotland. I do drink Jameson when that's what's on the menu. <laughs> so I'm, you know, equal opportunity drinker. I'm sorry. The it's correct answer is green spot for every day. <laughs> Just something you should have on the mantle. Yes. Yes. Something you should have on the mantle. So back in 2018, 18, Max actually got on stage during a little thing we call Deathmatch. And uh, this is back in back in New Orleans. And we had four on stage. Max got up there and he gave it his all. And we're going to uh, we're going to listen to that first pitch. He was dressed quite captivatingly, if I remember. (laughs) There was a T-shirt with like a boxing hairy chest on it. Am I remembering that correctly, Max? Yes, that was me. I went up on stage with boxing gloves and (laughs) a naked torso that was on top of like a kitchen apron. Yeah, I remember it pretty well. Nola was out of control that morning. That's okay. It's a, it wasn't my actual torso, so we don't we don't know each other that well. It was a good entry point, though. We're going to hear Max's original pitch back in 2018, and then we're going to get a refresher, an update on what's been going on with Talk Push. Here we go. All right. 
Next, we have the CEO, Max Armbruster of Talk Push. Bring it. Push it real good. I was so scared. I was so scared at that moment. All right, Max. Oh, you can hear it. So, two down. You ready? Ready. Ready. Love it. A little anxious? A little bit, yeah. Would you like me to get off the stage so you can do this shit? uh, (laughs) We can switch. Fight. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chad. Good morning. So, morning. Um, talk push in two minutes. Recruitment recruiters like to have it all. On one hand, they want to use AI and big data. I'm out of breath. I can tell. All the boring stuff, like <laughs> scheduling interviews, doing background checking, um, <clears throat> reengaging old databases. This is where he almost faints. But on the other hand, too much nobody wants to be hired by a robot. People want to talk to people. Um, they want to have a personal, individual conversation. <laughs> I'm uh, a little bit out of breath from running on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so it's very hard today with an ATS and a CRM to, to get both of those experiences, the automation and the personal touch, until talk push. So what we do is we work at the front of the marketing of the recruitment funnel. and. We um, automate the initial engagement with a candidate with conversational agents that op- uh, optimize conversion rates. So uh, th- that translates into a 70% reduction in marketing cost per hire uh, because those conversational agents, aka chatbots, who are talking on WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, on career sites, they, they're really good at getting the candidate to that next step. Once you're at the next step, then you want to talk to a recruiter. And with our experience, the, the, the handover is seamless. So you go from talking to a bot, if you're a candidate, to a recruiter seamlessly, and, and the recruiter can then seamlessly. take over from their mobile app and talking to the candidate. So we, 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 lose, we use the word augmented recruiter to talk about what the recruiter is time a vendor says seamlessly, they can red do flag. so much more with our system. <laughs> this is why millions of candidates are already being processed on TalkBush. Uh, with big brands like uh, Adeco, Accenture, AIA, Starwood, uh, using our system. Uh, they, they come to us because they realize the way you talk to candidates is a very core part of your employer brand, and they use us to level up the recruitment experience. Excellent. He said augmented back in 2018. That was awesome. Something that we would say very much in the, in the next four years. This is the where are they now episode, right? So once you got off that stage, what was the start of the journey to get to, to, to here? What's been different other than a pandemic, right? Talk a little bit about that. What's, what's changed? First, after that uh, stage experience, I had to go get a Xanax. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> come back to baseline. <laughs> some maker's mark or some shit like that. You know, I think it's, it's quite honest, uh, the presentation that I made, because I really focused the pitch on the front of the funnel. And that's what really chatbots were, were, were good at. It's a you know, UI type technology that helps to increase conversion rates at a certain point in the journey. But because at that same time, we were talking about augmented realities and machines, and we saw a lot of science fiction come out, people would imagine that it could do so much more, that every conversation was contextualized and personalized. And so I think there was a bit of a a moment of uh, deflation in the industry of what conversational AI could do since then. But we kept on, you know, just working at the front of the funnel mostly, and only recently 
have we started contextualizing conversations for the later stages, being able to answer questions from candidates when they've been hired or just before they've been hired and asking them for additional information. So that's, you know, that's from the there's just broad technology standpoint, from a company standpoint, growing, you know, obviously the pandemic was uh, was a shocker to the system for us in a period of two, three months, we went from we tripled our volume. And uh, we did not triple our revenue at that time. We just tripled our volume, which meant uh-huh. we had to spend three times more money on Amazon. Uh, so <laughs> that, that was a bit of a <laughs> learning curve. Yes. Yeah. And we were kind of semi-remote already, but we basically went full remote and are now nationless, as I said in my intro. You've taken very little funding, according to Crunchbase, about $1.3 million. While companies were raising tons of money in that time period, what was your mentality around money? Are, are you just profitable enough to like not worry about raising money? How does fundraising play into your business model, particularly over the four years since we last spoke? If you're going to play videos of me from four years ago, back to me four years from now, I have to be cautious with what I say because fundraising is, is not a philosophy or you know it's just a tool that you use when the time is right. And I suppose the time wasn't right for us because we saw that every customer deserved a lot of handholding, a lot of attention, and therefore, you know, just doubling or tripling the size of the team wasn't going to crack the case on conversational AI. That you you needed to kind of work through the pains of the technology, where you could gradually automate some of the jobs, and that takes time. So I think I think our time wasn't there, even though there was obviously a lot of money in the market. So, yeah, no regrets. We're we're around. We're uh, we're still growing and still building, while others have uh, come and gone. Any plans to raise in the future? Sure, sure. Uh, I don't think money is dirty, just because I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Talk about growth. I mean, you guys have uh, you've been a big player in you know in APAC, but you know that's that that's been kind of like your your core. And not to mention what South America, Mexico. Talk a little bit about growth. Where you know you saw you saw gaps and you wanted to fill those gaps. What what areas? Growth can can as I said. You have to you have to have happy customers with a stable technology to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's the right. basis. And we lost a bit of time chasing smaller customers for a while. And I think every entrepreneur wants to please everybody and wants to please other entrepreneurs. <laughs> and so they want their technology to be adopted by all. But the reality is our technology conversational AI is most applicable in high volume situations where there's a lot of mm-hmm. repeat. So you have to embrace working with corporates. <laughs> that means like investing in infosec and security and integrations and workday integrations and things like that. Things that suck. So yeah. It's fun. A, yeah. <laughs> so it's a growing journey for sure. And that's where the growth is, you know, and where, where the growth was low was in the SMB market, even though we spent a lot of time on it. And I like the emerging markets because they are a little bit more slow growth, but you can kind of leapfrog from Excel sheet straight to an automated recruitment platform like TalkPush without going through the ATS step. Whereas, you know, in more developed market, perhaps in the Western market, everybody's got an ATS in place. So then you have to integrate mm-hmm. with the ATS. And then sometimes it's uh, it just makes things too complicated. So there, we have two, two happy customers, the ones that never had an ATS and the ones that are working <laughs> on a really big one like Workday, because, you know, Workday's not going away, but, you know, they, they still need another solution to, to handle the transactions that we do. Interesting. I want to talk about sort of overall branding of your business. And, and when you first started, Chatbot was perfectly fine to say everyone was okay with we're a chat bot and over the, the last four years it's conversational ai which you've used in this interview 
and chatbot has become a bit of a dirty word. Is that fair? What's your take on the use of the word chatbot? We all started interacting with them for customer service. And the thing you want when you talk to customer service is to talk to a human. And you're like, okay, what do I have to say? You know, what's the combination of letters and numbers I have to put on my phone so I can get to a human as fast as possible? Three, two, one, or two. Good. I got somebody on the phone. Thank the Lord. That's the mentality for most people when dealing with chatbots. And I think that's why it's a dirty word is because it's trying to say, Let's just get rid of that thing. Let's get past it. Let's get to the next step. I think the conversational AI speaks to a grander vision where the AI will not just be the first step, but maybe the second, maybe the third, maybe all the steps. And some some employers now are doing all the steps in one go. The chatbot is still the interface. There's an AI in the back that decides for the 10% of candidates that did get shortlisted, what's going to happen to them and what questions are they going to ask and to be able to contextualize the answers at different stages of the journey. That's like doing double the amount of work for only 10% of the volume. (laughs) That's what has to happen to go from talking to candidates to talking to applicants. And then if you go from talking to applicants to talking to hires, that's another 90% drop. So again, you have to triple the amount of work to impact only 1% of the volume. So what I mean to say is that the last mile is very hard to do (laughs) because you have much less data and and the, the economics are harder to build a full end-to-end platform. Seems like a maturation through data. And really, and correct me if if I'm wrong, but the thing that really distinguishes one conversational AI company versus another is the experiences and the data that you have to crunch to contextualize the actual experience itself. Not everybody has the same data. Not everybody has the the same clients, the same region of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Works under the same languages. So, I mean, from my standpoint, trying to like separate the two types of company, one conversational AI to another, it's really the secret sauce of the data and the behavior that you've been able to to, to pull together over the years. T- talk a little bit about that. Yeah, if, if our sales team talks to a company that wants to automate, but they have like, let's say 2000 job openings and 200 different job description over like 10 different sites, I'd be like, this This is not, this is too hard. <laughs> We're not going to do it. But if it's a company with you know, 5,000 employees or 10,000 employees and they have like five sites and three job descriptions, then yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Uh, so you know, that's where it's hard because a conversation can go in so many different directions. If you, you know, the Chat and Cheese podcast is like talent acquisition tech, you know, straight talking, and that's it. You know, you know, you know what you're going for. And sex appeal. <laughs> and the sex appeal and the, and the alcohol. And the alcohol to forget. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> By the way, you can't see this, but Max is drinking wine while we're doing this interview. So he may forget this. What's up, guys? I got a question for you. What happens when you bring the power of AI to programmatic advertising? Well, game-changing efficiency, of course. What does that mean to you? Improved conversion rates, reduced cost per application, and ultimately the one metric that we all know truly matters, reduced cost per hire. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, great news. This technology already exists. Introducing HireMaster.ai. HireMaster.ai is a data-driven model that analyzes a wide range of data sources. It considers factors such as candidate demographics, job type, industry, and historical performance data. It continuously monitors and optimizes your job advertising campaigns to adapt to changing market conditions and maximum results. HireMaster AI empowers recruiting teams to work more efficiently and effectively by automating certain tasks 
and providing valuable data-driven insights. Why not give it a shot today? Learn more and start your trial by visiting HireMaster.ai now. That's H-I-R-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot A-I. So you you mentioned your AWS bill going up exponentially uh, without a, an increase in revenue. Obviously, COVID was a curveball in your business. What was another thing that caused sleepless nights, was unexpected? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs out there, startups that are listening, are dealing with things all the time, and people don't really appreciate every day it's putting out new fires. What was a particular hot fire that you had to deal with since we last spoke? Traumatic experiences from the past. We lost our head of engineering in early 2019. And when you have a platform that handles 10 million conversations, 10 million candidate interactions, 10 million candidates a year. It hurts. Uh, yeah, that's a scary moment for sure. It was our, you know, kind of like our CTO founder. And uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty scary moment. Uh, I think uh, early 2020, when, when COVID happened, all of our pipeline basically disappeared from one day to the next because everybody froze their spending. And as a cash flow positive company that relies on our customer to pay the bill, that was actually more scary than if, if we had been a VC backed company with you know three million sitting in the bank. So yeah. we had to make a few twists and turns. But yeah, I think all all good, you know, you sign up to be a company builder uh, so that you have a few scars and lessons. You sign up for the roller coaster, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so those those were probably some some of the lowlights. Well, talk about the rise after COVID because we started to see, obviously, there was, a, there was a huge dip and then there was an explosion and then money was, it seemed like money was fucking everywhere. So what happened at that point? Because you see so many companies when they're looking at expanding and contracting, they have to do that around talent as well. The explosion, as I said, was one in traffic where uh, it went from, you know, it tripled in, in a period of three months for us. Mm -hmm. And while it was it was difficult to to process from a cost perspective, it's uh it meant that the time had come. Like it basically meant that for a certain category of employers, the first screen would not happen with a phone screener. There wouldn't be no more phone calls. And once once you've turned that corner, it's not something you can go back to. You know, automation is like a one-way street where you don't go back three years later and say, oh, you know, I remember the old days when we used to go through the fax machine and read the resumes and decide who to call. Once you're past that, you're past. And it was the same thing with some of the, the pre-screening that we, we were put in charge of. The recruitment teams were cut by 20, 30% of headcount. The volumes were triple. Uh, the the amount of positions that were available to to fill were, were lower, so there was there was no other solution than to use us for our customers. And transformation that would have taken a couple of years were done in a couple of months. On the crack, that's what I'm hearing. They they were on the crack. <laughs> well, is that the Irish crack or the uh... <laughs> the Irish crack? I don't know if Chad uh, knows what the Irish crack is. Uh, <laughs> it means it's a good bit of fun. That's all. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. Chad loves crack. It, it helps me stay awake and get work done. So <laughs> uh, let's talk. I was I was lucky enough to actually judge a, a competition for recruitment hackers which is something that you guys do. And uh, one of the things that I love about uh, a lot of the new tech that I'm seeing, uh, but I really love about what Talk Push is doing, what you've been doing for a while, is getting candidates through the process incredibly fast. And one of those things was via voice, which I thought was incredible. And I think th these positions that I was actually applying for, I was mock applying for to these real companies, they were looking for customer service individuals. And one of the questions were uh, around being able to speak fluent 
English. Uh, so that whole process of, of using me, my voice, w- what was that all about? So there literally was, I think, five questions that were asked, and then you asked for an audio sample. So can you take us through that and take us through kind of like the, the completion ratios that you're seeing from start to finish? Because as we've seen with AppCast data, 92% of individuals who start an application do not complete it. So only 8% complete. What do you guys think from completion rates? And then talk a little bit more about the, the voice tech that you guys are using. Okay, on, on the topic of completion rates, be very wary of what the assessment vendors are saying because mm-hmm. you, you have to compare apples with apples. The completion rate for somebody who has already been through an interview with a live human is going to be drastically higher than somebody who comes from Indeed or Facebook or somewhere else. In our case, our customers, a lot of them were sourcing through Instagram and Facebook and word of mouth. And so they were very uh, sort of low engagement candidates. And when our customers tried to move them to sort of long form assessments, they would get a a 15% completion rate. So still better than what, you know, the 7% you were mentioning, but low enough that it would make it impossible to hit their quotas, their hiring quotas. Mm -hmm. And so we look for a solution. We say, okay, well, is there a way that we can collect this, you know, because the assessments that we're talking about were long form 20, 25, 30 minute uh, language assessments and people would just drop off. Like, and I, I feel for the candidates, like 25 minutes to apply for a job when you're looking for a job, like that's worth a lot of money because you could be applying to like five other jobs in that time. So it's obviously right. annoying. And so we, you know, we, we, we went around and looked for uh, technology partners that could analyze audio data. And with one minute of data, we have, you know, 95% accuracy on something that if you did 25 minutes, you wouldn't get anything better in terms of uh, generating a score for your English proficiency with mm-hmm. multiple parameters like vocabulary, fluency, pronunciation. And we can capture this data talking to people on WhatsApp or on Messenger or on a website. And so because it's just one or two minutes of audio, it doesn't feel like a test. It feels like, hey, tell me about yourself. Why do you want to work here? Which is a different experience. It's more like, oh, all right. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just saying what I why I want to work here. I'm not I'm not being tested. And the experience of not being tested is better if you're if you're talking to leads. If you're talking to applicants, maybe you know, shortlist applicants, then an assessment is, is more suitable. So that's our approach on that. And it's working well, uh, always in trying to, yeah, to, to reduce the workload at the front of the funnel. So what's the, what's the new percentage that you're generally saying? Just kind of like a, an idea for completion rates. Yeah, it's, it's about 60% uh, for social media traffic. So we used to have like 70% completion rate for people to just apply. But now mm-hmm. it's down to like 50, 60% with this extra audio question. So it's not a big drop. And if you get qualified candidates on the other end, that's uh, that's a huge cost saver. Like most things in France, uh, it tends to be cool before it's cool anywhere else. And you were work from home before it was cool. Talk about, I assume you're, you're in favor of it, but companies out there that are thinking, do we go hybrid? Do we go full uh, work from home and no office whatsoever versus your ass is back in the office? What's your stance on all that? And what tips might you give companies who are looking to go work from home 100%? You have to hire people who are very good at writing. You have to embrace asynchronous communication. You have to reduce the amount of meetings and you have to have a very tough layer of management because the far from the heart, far from the eyes, <laughs> far from the tasks sometimes. So it, it's not for everybody. I wouldn't advise it for everybody. I think it's great for us and it uh, keeps our people happy and we managed to keep them. 
uh, and that's that's great. And obviously, it's got all the benefits of expanding your talent pool. You know, this year we didn't hire a lot, but we hired people and uh, someone in Venezuela, in Nigeria, and in Brazil, where we don't even have customers, <laughs> but we we still hire there because the talent is everywhere. TalkPush engages with leads in real time when they click on ads in Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Indeed, etc. What's your take on uh, how employers are leveraging social media? Which platforms get the most activity? Just overall social media and recruiting. Instagram and Facebook. Facebook gets a lot of bad press, but it has the most advanced advertising platform of all. You can do the most amount of targeting. They made things very difficult in the last two years because there was a la- layer of banning targeting ads mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because they wanted to, to, to be compliant with equal employment opportunity law uh, in the US. And so they said no targeting at all, which slowed down the adoption of this uh, wonderful tool, which is where you could say, hey, I want to do an ad just for women <laughs> and just for women of a certain age. Uh, and why wouldn't that be a good idea? It's a great idea. But out of caution, Facebook kind of scaled that back a bit. But, you know, without revealing too much, you, you can kind of work around it and you can you can run ads <laughs> still to target certain populations. And, and Facebook gives you the best cost per lead and the best targeting options. So let's, let's talk about the evolution of the relic that we call an applicant tracking system. We're seeing more of tech stacks and, and what I like to call core talent platforms. I see talk push and paradox you know you guys have really created an engagement layer that is necessary to feed the beast being that that core talent platform right can you tell us what you think the future of this the stack looks like and and how it's powered adding a chatbot to an ats is is kind of like I don't know what a good allegory is, but it doesn't work because basically an ATS is well, the foundation is just a place where you send email updates to your candidates and where you manage a career website. So if you don't need a career website and you don't need email, then kind of like why do you need an ATS? <laughs> then you have to rebuild everything. So I, I think that it's going to be hard for the traditional ATSs to really leverage messaging, and messaging is what we do uh, is you know texting, WhatsApp, Messenger is how we communicate mm-hmm. with candidates from the start to the end. Now we can send a, a link to somebody on WhatsApp and say, click here to you know to see your employment contract and sign your employment contract. Nobody else is doing that. So uh, where do I see, you know, what was your question? How, how is that going to evolve? Well, I hope it's going to take off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from, from, from what we've seen thus far, I think you're 100% correct. I think it's like putting a V8 engine in a horse and buggy. I think that's, what, that, that's pretty much what you're looking at is that's, not, that's what an applicant tracking system would be trying to do to build it from that old horse and buggy to try to give it some superpower. It's just not going to happen. They're going to have to re structure and rebuild from the ground up. And uh, another way to answer that question is to say there's an ATS for every type of candidate. And obviously, there's a huge segment of the market, which is perfectly fine with the way things are. Email, long forums, you know, whatever. There just happens to be a segment of the market where that's that's suboptimal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And just like we have uh, ATSs for truck drivers and for healthcare workers, it's, it's normal that we have an ATS for high volume, for retail workers, and for people at the early stage of their career where a resume doesn't mean anything. How has pricing evolved over the last four years? I'm not uh, equipped to tell you, but uh, we are working with one of your sponsors and uh, they're, they're working fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you out on this one, Max. Better French-based band, Phoenix or Daft Punk? I've never heard of Phoenix. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Daft Punk is your answer. That's it. I think the Stripes are French-ish. The Stripes. 
It's a New York-based band, but I, I heard that you know the lead singer went to like a bilingual, like to a French lycée, basically. Not the White Stripes. Just the White the stripes. stripes. Jack White is French. Hearsay. He's from the Strokes. Or is it the Strokes? Anyway, it's one of them. Anyway, Jul- okay, Julian so. Casablancas. The only rock I get now is from the intro of the Chad and Cheese podcast. And you, you are as old as us, Max. You are <laughs> as old as us. Here's the last one. With the advent of uh, Chat GPT, how do you think that's going to impact chatbots, conversational AI? I mean, is it going to make it easier because you have a different uh, open AI set? Are you already using it? T- tell us a little bit about what you think about Chat GPT. I had a chat with uh, Quincy Valencia recently, and I'm going to steal her idea and repeat it on your show. She okay. said the first application for ChatGPT will be to help recruiters write job descriptions better. And that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me because I, you know, I played with it and it, obviously it writes well. And so that's, uh, that's probably the, one of the hardest and most critical parts of recruitment. I don't, I don't see a short-term future for us to apply this technology in our environments because we're, we're happy with uh, our natural language processing engine as it is. But, you know, of course... I'll keep my eyes open. There you go. Max Armbruster from Talk Push. Max, for our listeners who want to know more about Talk Push, where would you send them? Talkpush.com and uh, the Recruitment Hackers podcast, if you like the sound of my voice. Push oh, it. Chad, another <laughs> reunion good. show in the can. We got all the feels on this episode. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.